What is that smell, ladies and gentlemen? That is the smell of jasmine, and in turn, the smell of spring, and in turn of that, the smell of AFL footy funnels. That smile on Nicky's G's face lets everyone know that this is indeed the water cooler for the first week of the 2022 AFL Funnels series, and we are sick with funnels fever. It's all around the air, and all eight teams that get to participate have their sights set on that one special day. It starts tonight between the Tigers and the Lions, the Gabba, a Friday night blockbuster, Melbourne versus Sydney, the oldest rivalry in all of Australia, town versus town, state versus state, but no mates to be seen. And then a Super Saturday to end all Super Saturdays with the Cats and the Pies teeing off in a record number of funnels. One more will be added to the history books on Saturday afternoon. And then, of course, the Dockers and the Dogs from Optus. Who will progress to the prelim? Who will be sent to the Bali on early doors? One man already knows all of this. His name is Nick Gulliminia. He is our expert for Footy Live, as he has been all season. And my first question to you, mate, is have you enjoyed the week off? Um, uh, yes and no. I don't, I'm not a fan of the week off, but then again... It really builds up that appetite um, for the first week of finals and everyone is just craving it now. Everyone's looking forward to it. So there is definitely a positive element to it and I'm just so keen for the first game tonight. It's going to be an absolute ripper. All the games are um, honestly so hard to predict and looking forward to getting stuck into these previews. Absolutely, and we'll do just that. Let's crack in to each of our storyline games, four of them because there are, of course, four funnels. The first storyline is the Never Say Die Dynasty versus the Paddle Pop Chokers. And so <laughs> the favourite thing about this year has been to say that the Dynasty is dead. The Tigers are done. Too old, too slow. Get rid of the, get rid of the old blokes, giving the new blokes. Well, they've started to do that, actually. That forward line is looking very different to how it did a couple of years ago, and it's starting to click and gel and pop and be very, very dangerous. Speaking mm-hmm. of pops, the pedal pop chokers, because Brisbane have been there or thereabouts the last couple of seasons, yet again they find themselves now on the outs- outside of the top four, which is new for them, but they're back in the funnels, they're back at home, and does that mean that the same thing will happen and they will let a funnels opportunity slip? What's your read on this from the outset, Nikki G? Yeah, well, I'll start with the Lions. Um, I was quite disappointed with them in round 23, and I've been disappointed with them actually um, a fair few times over the course of the second half of the season. Very inconsistent. Uh, I think they're very vulnerable. If there's a team that you want to play interstate um, in finals, I think uh, Brisbane are the team you'd want to play, which is very lucky for Richmond. Um, yeah, uh, we, we, we've seen it. Uh, they were completely ex- against uh, Melbourne in round 23, but we know how bad they've been defensively. Uh, one-on-ones, they're, they're one of the worst teams in the competition, um, the second worst team in the competition, to be, uh, to be precise, for one-on-ones. And, um, yeah, so I think there's a real opportunity there for Richmond uh, to, to snatch a win, or not snatch a win, but... Um, I think they'll be too good. They've got they've got experience on their side. They've got talent, particularly in the forward half. Tom Lynch has been in form. Uh, he's kicked 60 goals this year. Um, he's had a couple of weeks off as well. So I think he's primed, ready to go. Dusty's back, of course. And honestly, I, I just, I think, um, you know, if Richmond are on their game, I just can't see them losing. Um, again, it's going to, it's going to come down to, um, how clinical the Tigers are. We saw how clinical 
Um, Melbourne were against Brisbane the other week. Um, they were, I think they were 13 goals, three at half time. And for me, that's how you beat Brisbane. You got to be, you got to take your chances, especially when you're playing at the Gabba, because Brisbane are one of the best teams in the competition when it comes to scoring from kick-ins and also forward 50 change. They love, um, they love playing on the run. They love sharing the ball around. Uh, they love rebounding. So, you have to deny them that opportunity and you just got to take your chances. So it's going to be an enthralling contest. Again, it could go either way, but for me, I'm expecting Richmond to get the win here. And so that's a very unbiased and clinical assessment of the situation. But as we know, when Funnels Fully comes around, it's all about the emotions. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of motive issues to deal with here. First off, Dusty is on his return, but also Dusty finds himself returning to the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Do mm. you think that the superstar will be rattled uh, given his alleged barley antics? Yeah, I mean, isn't it a coincidence that the first week of Finals rolls around and a video of Dusty gets leaked into the news? Um yeah, I don't think he'll be rattled. Uh, I think he'll be used to it. Um, I feel like a lot of people, um, particularly people in the media, are uh, like uh, putting Dusty under a lot of pressure. I think in the past he's had rumours of moving clubs um, come around this time of the season just before Richmond are about to play. I feel like people do everything to try and throw Dusty off. But, I mean, he's one of the game's best ever players to be quite honest and especially when it comes to finals uh he just lifts it to another gear so i don't think he's going to be letting uh that get into his head um he's dealt with a lot of more important things this season and i think he'll just be extremely focused on the game at hand and getting the win for richmond and uh, yeah i think the last time he played a final at the Gabba, um, was it the grand final um, against Geelong? He probably played there last season, but mm. uh, we know how good he was on that night. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. There you go. So from one hothead to another, do you think that Richmond, who are, you know, this generation's unsociable hawks, will they go and target Zorko knowing that he is just a volcano ready to erupt? <laughs> I think they will, and I think they should. Um, why wouldn't you? You need to, um, obviously... Uh, do everything you can to throw the opposition off. Um, and uh, I think Zorko will be expecting it. Why wouldn't you? Um, obviously, he's been in the media for all the wrong reasons as well. So, um, yeah, I think finals are obviously tough, uh, heated um, games. And, yeah, they'll be getting stuck into him for sure to throw him off uh, his game. Because if Zorko is not at his best, uh, it's more than likely that Brisbane won't be either. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think they'll get stuck into him for sure. There you go. And someone else who got stuck in was Acker, who said that this generation of Lions players go missing when the going gets tough. Now, we, love, we know that Acker loves a headline. Morning loves a headstand after a goal from the pocket. So is this <laughs> a fair whack to the, uh, you know, his, his Lions? I don't know how much it has to do with the Brisbane Lions anymore, to be honest, but mm. his Lions. Or is that just saying that really the issues are more more nuanced, more structural, more tactical-based? Or is it just that, you know, Joe Danaher and Charlie Cameron can't play when it matters? Um, I, th- I think there, there is an element of truth in that. Obviously, he's had that, he's got that connection to Brisbane and it's an honest and passionate uh, statement from him. And he obviously feels that, um, you know, when the big games come around, Joe Danaher, um, yeah, doesn't really show up. And I think it's I think it's fair to say um, I th- we, we've seen it so many times this season 
Uh, they've lost big contests. Um, the last two games they've played against Melbourne. Uh, yeah, Joe Danaher's been almost non-existent. Charlie Cameron's been quiet. Lockie Neal, if he gets tagged, you know, uh, he's. I think I, f- I feel like he struggles uh, with tags, uh, Lockie Neal, and obviously they'll be without Ross Lyon. Uh, Ross Lyon, sorry, Jared Lyons uh, tonight as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're gonna. Um, yeah, they they need those players to stand up. Obviously, I mean, it's it's an elimination final, do or die. They need to respond after that shocking, um, shocking performance they put in against Melbourne. Uh, obviously, Richmond going to this game as favourites. Everyone's jumped off the Lions bandwagon, so they've got a point to prove Brisbane. And the leaders have to lead uh, by example. So yeah, Danaher has to be at, at, the, at the top of his game tonight if uh, if Brisbane want to win. Mm. And not only do those lines go missing in the big games, also just go missing at the end of the season. So two uh, depth stats here from Champion Data. Since round 15, the Lions have conceded 90 points per game. That's ranked 15th in the league. Hardly a top eight performance there. And the Lions have lost four of their last five funnels at the Gabba by an average of four goals. So it is not the Gabbertoire anymore. There should be no fear for the Tigers there. My last question to round out this review is... Obviously, a lot of people got upset by the All-Australian team and the omission mm. of certain players. And, you know, a vocal Richmond fan base wanted to see more Richmond players in there because, you know, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Now, all the media's talking about this week is that Richmond, you know, like of, of not in the top four fame, have the best forward line in the competition. So is the forward yeah. line of Tom Lynch, Shy Bolton, Jack Rewalt, Noah Cumberland, Morris Rioli Jr. and throw in some uh, Tyler Sunsey and some Shane Edwards in there... Is that the most potent forward line in the league currently? If yeah. in the history of the football league, <laughs> um, it, I mean they're in form each and every one of them. And that, that I guess Shane Edwards' uh, omission from the side, even though he might be the sub, um, th- that obviously speaks volumes about how informed this Richmond forward line is. Um, very hard to break into. You mentioned uh, Tom Lynch. Um, obviously, he, he's the pillar of that forward line. Shy Bolton, obviously an All-Australian. He was good enough to make the team. Um, and then, yeah, Morris Rioli, he, he hit form in the last few rounds of the season, and he looked dangerous. He could really be a wild card for the Tigers. As to um, Noah Cumberland, um, yeah, obviously he's uh, come out of nowhere, and he could, again, be a wild card for the Tigers. So, Stars, stars across all the lines for Richmond, but particularly in that forward half, throwing Dustin Martin and wow, they are, they're a scary prospect. And I think, I mean, if there's one team that can win the flag from outside the top four, it's definitely Richmond. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can get it all to click, um, tonight. And I mean, we, we have seen a few times this year where they have missed a lot of opportunities in front of goal. I think Bolton's had a few where he's, sprayed his chances and obviously that notorious uh, game against North Melbourne, which they lost. Um, so, yeah, they need to have their kicking boots on. Um, and if they do, then I think it's going to be, they're going to be too hard to stop. Yeah, and speaking of kicking boots, since 2015, Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch have kicked 36 goals apiece against the Lions. That's the equal most of any player in the competition. And uh, Richmond have won 17 of its last 19 against the Lions as well, which includes this year's Round 20 clash by seven points. So mm. it's all looking pretty sweet for the Tigers. Does that mean it upsets on the cards? Uh, probably not. 
I'm going to go with the Tigers as well. Dusty's back. Everything's red hot and raring. Flights cost like a bajillion dollars to get up to the gap, which means that the Tiger Army will be up there in force. And uh, let's let that juggernaut live on for at least another week, I reckon, Nikki G. Our second storyline is the oldest rivalry in Australian history, Melbourne versus Sydney. Usually it's in the cricket field, but now it takes part on the football field and the first qualifying funnel should be an absolute hummer between the reigning premiers, Melbourne, and the upstarts, Sydney. Sydney last year played funnels. They had a heartbreaking one-point loss against the Giants. Obviously, Melbourne are the reigning premiers. But uh, what is your read here, given the fact that Sydney have been on the build, nice, strong, continuous build all season, coming in nicely into the top four, whereas Melbourne started the season 10-0. What's this team going to do? How many records will they break? How can a team possibly beat Melbourne? And then went completely missing on the ski slopes, like their supporters do for the back half of the year. Can they reverse their tide? Or uh, is, are the Swans ready to go straight into the prelim? I love the little drive-by there. But, yeah, um, Melbourne, I mean, yeah, you you summed it up pretty well there. And this game is so hard to get a read on. I really think it's going to be a tight contest. It's it's a genuine 50-50 for me, despite uh, Melbourne's uh, form from round 23 heading into it. Uh, Yeah, the Swans, I think they're an informed side as well. They've won their last seven games, I think it is, obviously, to finish... Um, third on the ladder, they came from nowhere to lock in that top four spot. And uh, funny enough, they've also won seven of their last eight games against Melbourne at the MCG. And I think these two sides share a lot of similarities um, in the way that how their best football is played. Both very contested sides, both uh, love to tackle, both score goals from clearances. Um, Melbourne, obviously, one of the best teams to do that. Um, over the last four weeks, they've um, they've been one of the best clearance sides, uh, uh, converting sorry clearances to goals. Uh, the, I think they conceded something around forty points uh, per game from uh, clearances, and that ranked them third. And um, yeah, on the other side, uh, Sydney, third best t- tackle side in the competition. So I'm expecting this to be a tactical battle, um, a very tight one at that. We all remember um, what it was like uh, in round 12 when they last met. Obviously, Sydney getting the chocolates by 12 points. So they'll take a lot of confidence into this game. I think, you know, playing Melbourne at the MCG is very uh, daunting, even though, you know, despite their a bit, some of their form in the second half of the season, still a very hard place to go to beat Melbourne. Um, plus that energy... Um, the energy and the vibe factor of it all. Um, obviously, they missed out in playing in Melbourne last season, so their fans are going to be out in force. Um, they've cancelled their snow trips. They're in September. They're playing at home. They're locked in that top four spot. And, yeah, they're, they're going to be um, up and about to see their team in the flesh um, in, in finals footy again. So, um, yeah, tough place for Sydney to go. But, you know, if there's one team to do it, to beat Melbourne at the MCG, Sydney is definitely one of those sides. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. Probably the most behind the, the Collingwood-Geelong game. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, an extremely enthralling battle. And so one of the weaknesses that's been shown uh, from Melbourne this year is their ability to give up big leads. And so five times this year they've let 20-point-plus leads slide. Ironically, they did that round 12 to Sydney. 
Uh, and mm. that was, you know, midway through the second quarter. They were they were leading by 26 points. And they mm. did it twice to Collingwood as well, who they will probably face if the, if both teams progress into the finals. So is this suggesting that, you know, Melbourne can jump out to a lead at any stage? Is that a positive thing? And yes, they didn't get the win, but at least have the ability to score in, in chunks? Or is mm. it a negative thing saying that they don't now, they've, they've been found out, like this defensive system that has worked so well last year, will easily get picked apart if you give a team enough time. And for teams like Sydney or Collingwood, that can be you know a quarter or a half of a quarter where they can just pile on points at the back end in particular. We'll be back after a quick break. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this year, um, especially, uh, yeah, scoring goals in in patches um, has been has been the theme almost for a lot of teams. Uh, a lot of teams can score goals and score goals quickly. I think that's an effect from the the six 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 rule, um, and yeah, it, it, it honestly comes down to clearances. And w- once you lose those center clearances. Um, they're they're hard to stop uh, that that ball coming inside fifty to one on ones. It's it's extremely hard to stop. Um, so I think Melbourne a reason for Melbourne giving up those uh, scores obviously came down to their. I, I remember midway through the season we we're talking about it how their midfield output had dropped a little bit, and surprise surprise, so did um, you know the, the the goals conceded. They ended up conceding a, a few more goals. So. Um, but as I mentioned, over the last four weeks, they've the began to pick that up again. Um, one of the best clearance sides in the competition over the last month. Um, and more often than not, they convert that to goal. So I think they will um, look at that game against Sydney from early in the year as a blueprint on what not to do. Um, they'll, they'll learn a lot from that game and they'll obviously um, try to avoid replicating it, a few of those errors that uh, went on. So um, I think, yeah, you can argue that they've been found out a little bit, but still when Melbourne are at their absolute best, which they showed in round 23, I still think they're probably the hardest team in the competition to beat. Um, so it all comes down to whether or not they're going to be on song. And, um, yeah, we uh, it's just one of those things we won't find out until Friday night um, because, yeah, the, the same with Sydney. They, you know, when they're on, on form, uh, they can be very good. But we've also seen some inconsistencies with Sydney this season, losing to Essendon and those likes. Um, so, yeah, they, they've had their dips as well. So it's just going to come down to the come down to the contest. And, yeah, it's just one of those things we're going to have to wait and see. So the opposite side of the coin there is Sydney. And they are, you know, if you look at their list coming into the year, they were expected to be a bit like Hawthorne. In terms of minutes played for players under the age of 22, only four teams have played more youngsters. That was Adelaide, Gold Coast, North Melbourne, Hawthorne. The highest of those positions was Gold Coast with 12th, yet Sydney finds themselves in the top four. 
And you look at that build over the year, and it's based on, you know, two key pillars, contested possession and inside 50s. So mm. last season, they were ranked 11th for contested possessions, like a lot of smaller, younger teams are. Around the first half of the year, they were still ranked 11th, getting, averaging minus 13 in differential. And now in the back half of the year, they were plus 104 for the third best contested football team in the competition. And that's led to an improvement into the, becoming the second best inside 50 differential team as well. That's all well and good in the home and aways. That's all well and good week out, week in. But the cliche is that finals is a different beast. Do you agree with that cliche? Are, are the Swans a little bit underdone in terms of experience in comparison to the reigning premiers who obviously have been there and done it before? Yeah, I, I, I agree with the cliche that um, finals is absolutely a different beast. The pressure just goes up a notch. There's an extra you know, 20, 30, 40,000 in the crowd. Definitely plays a part uh, mentally on players um, and also physically. So... Yeah, it, it, it is a different beast, and we saw it last year in finals when um, the, the Swans went up against the Giants. Obviously, Sydney were expected to win that game in the elimination final. They didn't. Yes, they've been good this season. I think they've improved in a lot of areas, like you mentioned. They're um, one of the best contested contested possession sides in the competition. Um, and, yeah, I think, um, you know... It, Again, it's it's going to come down to the night and being in front of 60,000, 70,000 Melbourne supporters, how are they going to react to that? Um, yeah, very young team. Uh, Melbourne have experience on their side. They have the star power. Can Sydney match it with them? Um, yeah, I mean, my guess is as good as yours, Gordo. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's obviously a tough task playing at the MCG, like I mentioned. Um Still a place you don't want to go to to play play Melbourne, especially when you're an interstate team. So, yeah, the pressure's going to be right up and it's going to be extremely difficult, but I'm still not riding off the swans. I wouldn't write them off at all. And if you say that it's a hard place for interstate teams to play, that might be true for all but the Sydney Swans. They've won seven of the last eight matches against the Demons at the MCG and their only defeat in that period was by nine points. Mm. Furthermore... A lot of these close games were decided late in the term, obviously. The Swans are the equal best fourth quarter team this season, having won 17 times in the final quarter. And since round 15, the Swans have conceded 66 points. They're ranked second defensively, only behind Geelong. Above all, there's a person we haven't talked about. If these Sydney Swans need some finals experience, then your (laughs) favourite man, the Budwa, Lance Franklin, has kicked 44 goals, 33 in 16 finals, all at the MCG. He averages 15 disposals and two score assists there in his finals games. I'm expecting the Budwa to light it up, get sent to the prelim, and the (laughs) Swans to upset the Ds. But hey, I could just be a hater as well. Go back, go back into our previous podcast to see the uh, the demon hate. Storyline three, Nico, is can the dream come true? And that, of course, is the dream or nightmare, depending on who you barrack for, of the Collingwood Football Club. The biggest mm. event of this weekend, if we can be so bold, is going to be that twilight fixture at the MCG between Geelong and Collingwood. And it has all the juicy hit. Like, you can break down the analysis of this game. You get into the nitty-gritties, but none of it makes much sense because on paper, Geelong should warp Collingwood. They should warp them today, tomorrow, next week, a bunch of other weeks. Collingwood should even be here, but they are. And they deserve it because they get those wins by those close margins. And then Geelong, on paper, should just get to grand finals year in, year out. This is Chris Scott's 11th finals campaign. He has one premiership. 
And that premiership mm. was a different team that he inherited from a really good coach as well. Chris Scott yeah. is a really good coach. He coaches a really good football club, but they can't win grand finals. Collingwood, this list is not very good, but they keep on winning games. So who are you picking for the ultimate showdown oh, on Saturday fuck. afternoon? Yeah, again, you summed it up well. Um, it, this is it for Geelong. Um, it's another top four finish. It's another minor premiership. Uh, they've been the best team all season, and you know they're rightly fat flag favourites. Um, but yeah, it's, it comes down to their finals record. Um, that, that's the pressure is going to be on them. Over the last ten years, their finals record has really let them down. Um, yeah, and the pressure is going to be on this time uh, on them this time to to deliver. Um, and you know, the pressure's just going to go up a notch as well. I mean, you're playing an up-and-about Collingwood outfit at the MCG. First week, 90,000-plus at the MCG. Um, yeah, doesn't get more... You you won't get more pressure than that. So, um, yeah, like you said, on paper, this should be a Geelong win every day of the week. And, again, Collingwood shouldn't be here. They, they've been winning games, yes, but... Um, they haven't they haven't won those games pretty. Uh, obviously, it's been uh, the biggest story of the season. Collingwood they they win scrappy games. They know how to win the close ones. They um, do everything they can to get over the line, and it's got them into this position, fourth on the ladder, uh, qualifying final. Uh, and yeah, much like Sydney, they obviously lack that finals experience a bit. Uh, obviously, they've still got a few from um, a few years ago, but. Um, all in all, Geelong, they're, they're the ones with experience. They're the ones with um, star power and they've got stats on their side. Uh, they're the best inside 50 team in the last four weeks. They absolutely pile on the pressure onto defences and they've got uh, two guys in the in the forward 50 who kicked 59 goals each. So, you know, if, if Geelong are playing on their terms, I, I honestly can't see how they can possibly lose. I know they've Collingwood have won the unbelievable games this season, but if they beat Geelong on Saturday evening, that will truly be unbelievable. Um, again, it's going to come down to Collingwood's defence needing to stand tall. They've got to um, obviously nullify Hawkins and Cameron. Um and, yeah, I think it's going to come down to that. They obviously struggle in midfield as well, Collingwood. That's why they're after the likes of Taranto and Tom Mitchell popped up during the week. So they struggle in um, they struggle in that area of the field. If they give Geelong first look to the ball, who then get it inside 50, I, I honestly don't see how they're going to stop uh, Geelong's forwards. Even the likes of Brad Close, I think there was some ridiculous statistic that he's kicked at least one goal in almost every single game this season. I think 20 or 21 games. Um, so they've got the small forwards. They've got the big forwards. Um, they're damaging. Uh, Dangerfield's there. Joel Selwood's there. Again, they've got experience on their side. Um, the only thing that can beat Geelong on Saturday evening is themselves. If they let the pressure get to their heads... You know that that's how they're going to lose, and um, I think it will it will be in the back of their minds a bit. They've lost seven of the last nine qualifying finals that they've played in, so um, yeah, it's not a good record. Pressure will be on them, and uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah the game of the weekend. And I think the key will be if Collingwood can stick around and make you know 
make Chris Scott make the Geelong Cats a bit nervous because, unfortunately, there's not a lot of consistency there. So they've won Collingwood 11 quarters by more than 10 points and they've lost 10 quarters by more than 10 points. It's the biggest differential in, in the league and in the rest of the competition in that top eight, or top four, sorry, Geelong have won six, a 19 by more than 10 and only lost four by less than 10. So the, Geelong just win quarters. They just win, they're just very good, obviously. Yeah. They're minor premiers. Collingwood have broken the matrix somehow and they get away with it because they go through patches where they're not looking particularly good. And even the Collingwood fans are saying, you know, they're spitting, they're blaring, they're blowing up on the sidelines, they're they're exploding on Twitter and then they win the game and everything sorted out. And they repeat the same thing for 11, 12 weeks in a row and now we find ourselves here. But I don't see it being feasible if they go into half time, and, you know, they are the, the 14th worst Q3 and Q2 team in the competition. If they're down by you know, six goals at three-quarter time, they're going to lose. They're going to yeah. lose this time. Clip this up. This is famous last words, but they are going <laughs> to lose if they play like they did against Carlton, yeah. against Geelong. So yeah, footy gods yeah. have a funny way of making content creators look silly. So I enjoy your feedbacks and uh, shout-outs to our number one super fan, Dario. I'll be looking forward to your digest if you do somehow come up from a six-goal turnaround, but... There's stats to back it up, but at the end of the day, footy isn't about stats. It's about wins. It's about players on the field. It's about magical moments. So make sure you're tuning in and following it on Footy Live. And unfortunately, our last game of the week is over in Perth, and I have uh, somewhat disingenuously called this the also-ran cup because really <laughs> are either of these two sides going to win the premiership this year or is this game just there to <laughs> fill in the fourth slot of the finals in week one? <laughs> well, like, it- you got to think, though, wouldn't it be just the most typical Western Bulldogs thing to do to just scrape into finals because some other team lost and got them in and then to um, rise from the ashes and hit form and hit, hit, hit their you know finals form of last year and, and also 2016 and go on this amazing run? I mean, re- remember what happened with uh, Carlton making, the, making finals from ninth? Uh, after Essendon dropped out, was it 2013? No one expected them to win. They shouldn't have been there, and then they knock Richmond off in the first week of finals. So I don't know. I've just got a funny feeling that Western Bulldogs are the team to do it. Yeah, and again, it wouldn't make any sense statistically. Fremantle, obviously, uh, finishing above the Doggies. They've got the better form, but it's not stellar. It's based on defence. It's nothing outrageous. It's not, you're not scared of the Fremantle Dockers, but they should beat teams like like the Western yep. Bulldogs. And the number one stat is that all of the good teams this year score off turnover. Their defensive mm-hmm. systems set up turnovers and then they score off them, except the Bulldogs. They are ranked 15th in the competition for conceding from, from turnovers and they are ranked uh, equally 15th for scoring from turnovers. They're not particularly good at turnovers. They have to win the ball themselves. It's all about contested possessions and that midfield and that suits their game style, suits their players, but it doesn't help you win games consistently. So... Mm-hmm. Travelling, Fremantle being a better team defensively, Fremantle being one of the best teams to defence against turnovers, everything suggests that this should be a pretty comfortable win for the Dockers. But as you said, nothing would be more bulldoggy than uh, just causing an upset out the West as well because that's where it happened last time. That's where it all started. A trip out West, the boys from the West going out West, coming back East and stealing it. That is true. And again, experience versus inexperience as well. So... But, I mean, much like the Geelong-Collingwood um, game on paper, it's, it's very hard to see 
Fremantle uh, losing this, especially, you know, a home crowd, a sellout crowd, mind you, at Optus Stadium. Their first finals appearance since 2015. Uh, yeah, they're going to have the crowd on their side. They're, they've got all the emotion um, on their side as well. And, uh, yeah, again, finals footy is, uh, is a different beast, but... Um, I mean, they, they they really should they really should be uh, getting up over the Bulldogs. I, I'd back them in any any day of the week. And like you said about the Bulldogs, they struggle defensively. Uh, I think they're the most likeliest side to concede uh, a mark inside fifty. So, you know, if Frio get it in there enough times, they're going to score goals. So, I'll, I'll probably back in, be backing in Frio in this one. Although, you know, you can't be too sure with the Bulldogs. Yes, but uh, you are correct there. Spot on, thanks to Champion Dunn again. Uh, they've considered a mark the Bulldogs in 23% of their opponents inside 50s. That's ranked last in the competition. Worse than North. Worse than West Coast. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> bad. What else has been pretty bad this year is our betting, but we'll keep doing it anyway because why not? Put your house on it, picks. Make sure they have Monopoly houses because you don't want to lose too much other than little <laughs> plastic trinkets. What do you think is going to happen this weekend? What should they keep their eyes peeled on for Nikki G? Yeah, well, I mean, like we mentioned, finals is a different beast. So you can never be too sure when putting bets on certain players to do certain things. But the one player that you can back is Jack McRae um, having over 30 touches. He's done so in um, seven of his last, uh, sorry, in his last six finals appearance. He's averaged 31 disposals, so um, I'd be backing him in to get over 30 touches against Fremantle. And uh, a little pick um, for the win this week. I mean, again, I'm, I wouldn't put my house on it, but Bulldogs, $2.64. Fremantle obviously going into that game as hot, hot favourites, but... Um, yeah, there's a weird energy when it comes to finals and the Western Bulldogs. So, yeah, I think they, uh, I think they wouldn't be a bad bet at that price. There you go. Speaking of not a bad bet, as we mentioned before, Buddy Franklin loves finals. He loves the MCG. He also loves his new Sydney Swans. He's going to kick two or more goals because that's what Buddy does in finals. Sydney's going to win because they're just ready. Melbourne's primed to be defeated because they've come out shaky. The back half of the season hasn't been great. I think teams have worked out how to break down their defence, which is what they're based on. Yes, they can score in patches, but they're not a super scary scoring outfit. And I think Sydney's actually probably more potent. Um, and because of that, I think the whole score also goes under. We roll that together for $6.50, and that keeps yourself entertained on a Friday night. And then let's let's go a little storyline. Let's go a little magic. Let's call it Upset Saturdays. Just like you know, you've had some you've had some dodgy Uber eats, and your belly's a bit rumbly tumbly. Upsets happen on Saturdays. Sydney and Collingwood to win. Uh, that's paying seven dollars eighty as well, and that will have the headlines humming for our review on Monday. Thank you as always, Nikki G, for joining us to preview all the weekend's action. This has been a weekend watch list brought to you by Footy Live, and make sure you've got the app installed, downloaded. Locked and ready for your notifications so you can follow all the action as it happens, as it drops, and catch the highlights all weekend long. And until then, enjoy the football. This is what it's all about.